When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy y'all, you've made it back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you're here. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Basically Famous Podcast. Now, here's your host, Tyler. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of Basically Famous. I am very excited today to be interviewing someone who's also from small town of Brackettville, Texas, and had big city dreams, and now she lives in Austin. And I'm going to kick it over to you, Wendy, if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, great. No, I'm so excited to be here. Tyler, I think I hit you up to be on this. I don't even think you asked me. Um, I just love it when small town kids kind of rock the worlds at their end. Um, And what I've learned after being in politics for 26 years is a lot of Texas is run by kids in small towns and it, it warms my heart. Um, I'm from Brackettville. Obviously my dad's a cotton farmer down there, went to Texas tech who did win our bowl game last night and um, had a great time in Lubbock, which kept there. I majored in ag communications. I honestly majored in ag communications because I figured out after reading the the actual catalog book, which I not, we probably don't even have those anymore, that if I had an ag major and I had taken two hours of Spanish in high school, I didn't have to take a foreign language. Go figure. So I transferred out of mass comm and went into the ag college because I didn't want to take Spanish. Um, Graduated with that, just fell into politics um, and ended up moving to D.C., about a week after graduation, worked for a congressman up there and had just an amazing time and then decided to come home. And then I started working for Speaker of the House, Pete Laney, in December of 97. And I've been in Texas politics ever since. And I'm currently the Associate Director of Policy for the Texas Independent Bankers Association, um, which I'm proud to say the overwhelming majority of their membership um, comes from rural areas. Um, most of their bank presidents graduated from A&M or Tech, and they're my people. They're our people. And it's really fun to, to get to have both of my worlds kind of collide for the first time. That is so awesome. I did not know that you worked in D.C. too. So that is awesome. Well, talking yeah. about growing up in Brackettville, you know, kind of like what was your role on your family's operation? What did y'all grow? Um, kind of like what did your day-to-day look like really on y'all's family farm? Um, We had about 600 acres um, in the western part of Kenny County. Uh, And Tyler, I'm not even going to embellish this at all. My dad had two daughters and God knew what he was doing because he would have worked a son to death, I think. But we, as growing up, you know, we harvested cotton between you know, back then it was in the summer. Now you're you're doing it later, later in the year because the the season, the weather patterns are changing. Um, you know, Shelly and I ran the module builder every, you know, a few times and we would 
my sister, Shelly, she's two and a half years older, and we would take turns writing on the arm that went out to press the cotton down in the modular, and we'd give each other rides out there with the towel, and then we would lay the towel on the cotton because it hadn't been cleaned yet, so it was, it hurt, you know, the holes were still intact, and we'd lay out, and then when they come do another dump of cotton, then we'd lift the arm, bring us in, and then we would take turns getting to lay out um, on the cotton, but my dad and mom really, you know, Brackettville, it's a small town and it was 2A back then. It's smaller than it is now. Um, and I was a huge high school athlete. I used to have a t-shirt that said I was a great high school athlete on it. And uh, the rule was if I'd had a basketball tournament or a volleyball tournament, I didn't have to go work on the farm. Um, the, the big rule was, is that when my dad came in to fill his water jug in the morning, there cannot be a kid on the couch. We either have to be helping our mom, getting ready to go to the gym or go out to the farm. And most of the time I wasn't stupid even back then and I chose the gym. And so back then our coaches would just open up the gym for us at like 8 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday. And we'd spend all day playing basketball um, or watching other people playing basketball. And so we were involved in the farm but I have to say that my connection to the farm came after college when I realized what we had and I learned to appreciate more of what we had. My dad had been a farmer my entire life. It's all I knew. I didn't realize how rare that is to get off the farm. I would agree And then I really that. got a connection. Yeah, I mean, it's just your reality when you're a kid and you accept it. But then when you're away and you look at all these other things, you realize what your parents did to keep that going. Um, and as a kid, they shield some of that from you. And now I get it. And I'm so much more impressed and I feel so much more blessed to have had that in my background, even if I didn't appreciate it wholly then. I would but say as far as our role farm, it was not to screw anything up, you know? He didn't really have us on tractors. Cotton pickers cost way too much money to have some 16-year-old kid running it part-time. Um, so we knew how to, how to do those things, but he didn't really, he let us be kids and find our own ways. And we didn't do a lot actively on the farm except learn to drive on it and, you know, know when to shut up. And if it was raining, know to go to our rooms because he was going to be in a bad mood, that kind of stuff. <laughs> No, I totally get that. My mom and I were just talking about, you know, you don't realize what you have until you leave it because you just grow up with it. And that's, I feel the same exact way. You know, I went to college and then I was like, wow, like what my family has is so unique and so awesome. And I didn't realize that at the time, but I think it's, you have to get away to appreciate what you had. You do. So transitioning into current day, um, you just accepted this new role with the Independent Bankers Association of Texas. And so really, how did you get into lobby work and what does a day to day look like as you prepare for session? Well, and my my days are changing now, too. I'm lobbying Congress in this role. So this will be the first time I've actively lobbied Congress. I got into politics by a fluke, to be honest. My older sister was working for Texas Farm Bureau, and she had a conference in Lubbock when I was an undergrad. Um, I went to the hotel to meet her, uh, went into the bar, even though I wasn't 21, and uh, was sitting in there, 
and a man was talking about a farm program that I'd heard my dad talk about at the at the dinner table. And he was talking about, it was this great program for farmers. And I was a very cocky 21 year old kid, as you can imagine, and turned around and told him that he didn't know what he was talking about. And then sat there and espoused everything that I had heard my dad say, even though I had no clue what any of it meant. I remembered why my dad didn't like this program. And um, long story short, about two days later, my sister called and said, what did you do? And the lead lobbyist for Farm Bureau is the man that I told didn't know what he was talking about. And he called me and he said, do you want to be in politics? And in my deepest South and West Texas accent, I was like, hell no. And uh, he said, well, you've got a job if you want it. And I graduated college with an ad comm degree and I really didn't know what to do. I thought about staying in school a little longer and getting my teaching certification and getting my master's. And then that came along and I thought, why not? Um, I'd really never been out of the state before. Um, we had driven to Disneyland when I was in like third grade or something. Um, but that was the only time I'd ever been out of the state. And God bless my parents, man. They, they didn't deter it. They were like, go if you want to go. Like you can always go home, but go see the world. Like life is bigger than what you know it to be, you know? And so I booked the flight and I got to DC and I didn't know one person there. Um, a man who was a former boss of mine at tech happened to be there working for Combest. So he picked me up at the airport. He and his family dropped me off in an apartment. And I went to work the next day. I didn't know one person. And I had the most amazing. I got to meet Mother Teresa blessed me. Um, I met Strom Thurmond before he died. I bought groceries with Bob Dole. Um, you know, it was just a textbook come to life and I loved it. But there came a time when I knew it was time for me to come home. And Tyler, this is where I talk a lot. Um, I came home to Texas without a job. And so I went to AM Tech Weekend and sat on the tailgate in College Station with a guy that I went to college with whose name was J.P. Laney. And um, he, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mom and dad are making me get a job. I don't know where to go. And he said, Wendy, send your resume to my dad. And I said, I'm not working for a county commissioner. Like, JP, we're never getting married. Because he was that guy we always joked that if we were alone, we'd, we'd marry each other kind of thing. And I was like, we're never getting married. Like, drop it. It's done. And he looked at me and he said, Wendy, dad's the speaker of the house of the state of Texas. Never knew it. I knew that man four years and never knew it. So um, I still cocky, sent my resume to Bush, Bullock, and Laney, um, Lieutenant Governor Bullock and Governor George Bush at the time. And um, Laney interviewed me and he said, well, my wife wants to adopt you. My son wants to marry you. I might as well hire you. And he did. So I did ag policy and natural resource policy for Speaker Laney from 1997 to 03 to well, we lost the house. Um, and then once you're in it, you just like you and your world, you meet people, you make those connections. And then I've just not gotten out of it. And I've been very blessed to always find a role in, in state government. Um, I've headed up two governmental relations divisions um, for two major state agencies. Um, one, uh, Texas Water Development Board, and then another with um, the GLO for Commissioner George P. Bush, um, 
I had my own lobby firm for about 14, 15 years where I represented large landowners on um, natural resource issues, everything from eminent domain to mostly groundwater um, and groundwater policy. And so if I have a, a niche area or area of expertise, it's water policy in this state. Um, it, it's, I've just, it's been fun. Uh, with this new role, we start session January 10th. We go into session 140 days every two years per our constitution. Um, and we do all budget and policy within those 140 days. Um, our forefathers were smart and said, uh, we're gonna send our leaders to Austin for only 140 days. And then they have to come back and live under the rules in which they've implemented. And is it good enough for them? Um, that's a protection for the citizenry of the state that we don't get into an overzealous uh, political environment where they lose touch. Um, and so it's, you know, the fun starts. In this role, I'll also be lobbying congressionally. So I'll be going to DC four to six times a year, which will be new for me. Um, my big win as an independent lobbyist was I was the lead lobbyist and strategist with a team of a ton of people. But, um, and we legalized hemp in the state of Texas, CBD. And to do that, we had to put hemp in the farm bill. And so we had made a couple of trips with some groups to work with the Texas delegation to put that into the farm bill. And then once we were able to do that, I could come back to Texas and say, it was good enough for them. Um, it's legal. You know, it's, it's another tool in the toolbox for our farmers. So I've had a little bit of experience with it, but this is a whole new world. Before I got on this call, I was reading a bill that we're going to probably get introduced on. Um, that's a consumer bill about buying credit card debt, something I know nothing about. Uh, so at 47, I've been given the gift to learn an entire new body of policy with the independent bankers, and I'm excited to do it. So that's where we are. But uh, going into session, every day you rebuild bills that are going to be, that have been filed. Last session, there were close to like 4,000 bills filed. A very low percentage of those passed. Um, but you got to read everyone because everyone can be an amendment if it doesn't go on. Um, and so it's a lot of reading. Pretty soon there will be a lot of handshaking, a lot of hugging, you know, and then we get to work and start doing the business of the state. That's awesome. Well, talking about session and, you know, we only meet 140 days every other year. What is something you wish people knew who live in Texas about session? A couple of things, but um, involvement does matter. Um, even with the bankers now, I tell them, I know most of the members, or if not, I will know them, and they know me, and and um, that's great. But I don't vote for them back home. And so I could get up and give testimony about a bill, but you know what? If that member has to look that person in the eye and tell them they're going to do something, and then changes a vote later, they have to go home and eat at the Chili's with that guy or at the Burger and Shake or at the Dairy Queen, you know, and they've got to look that person in the eye and explain why they did what they did. And there's an accountability measure that could be multiplied so much if people realized their involvement does matter. Um, we Too many times we elect people and then we send them up here and we think they're going to do their thing. And most of the time they do. There's a lot of really good people in in politics but politics is what politics is and 
it's always good to put a personal face with it and to remind everybody where they come from kind of thing. And so involvement is huge. Um, one thing I would like to say about session two is every session is a different session. I've had like 14 sessions and none of them have been the same. They've all been brutal, but none of them have been the same. Each one takes on a different personality. Um, session is changing so much up here because we're getting more partisan and that's not a good thing. Um, Bob Bullock, who's one of the greatest Texans ever to live, uh, coined the phrase, God bless Texas. And all the little bumper stickers you see of the Texas flag that say, God bless Texas, those came from Bob Bullock. And he didn't say, God bless Texas to my county line. He didn't say, God bless Texas to my goal line because of Friday night football. He didn't say, God bless Texas to my party line. He said, God bless Texas, all of Texas. And we're bigger than one party. And what's happening in this country is we're getting so polarized. And so sometimes people and even members confuse national politics for state politics. And that's dangerous because look how good DC is going, right? And so this session, you're going to see a ton of partisan, you know, there's a ton of partisanship and it's getting worse. Like we can't have any Democratic chairs. Let me tell you what a huge mistake that is. Um, I have Democrat friends that I would let babysit my kids that I wouldn't let a Republic, one of those Republicans through the door for. I don't elect, I don't play in party. I play with people. Mm-hmm. Politics is bigger than a party. And we forget that. Um, and it's like, well, you know, they're an R and it's easy to, when you come from a place like we come from with the border in the issues and we're so overwhelmed and we're frustrated and we're mad and our families are separating because of what's going after there. And, you know, we can say it's, you know, the administration and they're not, Kamala hadn't come to the border yet, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's so frustrating, but we have to realize that that's a federal border and there's certain things the state can do, but at the end of the day, it's a federal border. And so we can't elect people to come up here to fix the border problem when it's not the problem that we can address at a state level. Um, And so we have to realize where our sandboxes are. And then we have to put the right people and the right leaders in those places, regardless of party. And um, that's something that I feel very strongly about um, is is that's a big part of session. And a lot of time, it's just when members get up here and they're elected and they think, we got to do this. And you're like, okay, we only see the world through the lens in which we view it, right? And then when you realize that the world is bigger, um, if I thought, if I never left this room that I'm in now, I would think my whole house is this house. But when I step outside the door, I see that there's a downstairs. I see that there's a kitchen and my world gets bigger. And so when members are newly elected and they step out of the, their district that they're in and, and they look at these issues that impact the entire state, they're like, oh my gosh, you, you know, there was a time when we took the rural caucus, the legislature has the rural caucus. And over the years, the members of the rural caucus include members from downtown Houston. They include members from inner city Dallas. Why? Because those people don't have infrastructure. Those districts have their education systems are failing. Those districts um, don't have, you know, broadband. And the issues that we see in very rural Texas 
are happening in some of the inner city places and there's a commonality there. But you would never think that until you look at the issues they're dealing with and they're like, no, we have synergy here. So we can work for change together. Um, and that's a that's a cool thing when you when you realize, oh my gosh, like we all connect and it's not through a party. It's because of our state and it's because of who we are as Texans and, and we connect. And when we drop our biases on that, we can we can see it and it's really fun. Well, that is awesome. So if someone wanted to stay up to date, what's happening during session, where's the best way or what is the best way for them to see, you know, what bills are being passed or have been, you know, they're being voted on. Could they go online and check that out? Where could they keep track of that? There are, and I will follow up with you and get you the exact email addresses where you can sign up because I don't know them off the top of my head. But if you go to um, like uh, house.texas.gov, um, you can, I'm going to have to follow up with you on this, honestly, but there's websites that you can go to. You can put in keywords of things you want to follow. And then every day you would get emailed to you a list of those of bills that have been filed, where those bills are in the process. Um, it might be hard for laymen to kind of understand that. Um, if you had a specific bill, it would be better that you read about in the paper. So maybe you want to look at SB 1810 or something and put that in. That might be an easier way to do it because if you were to put, if you were to put like the word water, you don't want that report. That report would be a hundred pages long, you know. And so it's more about, hey, I read about that in the paper. Where is that going? I mean, they're free services like that, um, and people can sign up and do it. Honestly, it's it's hard for people to follow every single part of session. And I don't know if I would tell you that that's not always a bad thing. Um, we laugh at we being a collective group of friends and I, you know, open government, everything needs to be open. And I agree with that. But when you're working real time, we don't have time to post that, you know. And so at some point you have to let go and trust the people that you employ and trust the people you elect to do that. Because there's not a, it's like, I couldn't step in and do your job. You, I don't know how you do your job working with all of those kids and traveling everywhere and doing all of that. And God bless you for doing it. And you couldn't step in and do my job without training, right? Without knowing what to do and knowing where to find that. And so there are resources for people to follow things. There's also, um, every one of us has a house member or a senator, um, and, you know, you can always call their offices and say, you know, what are they working on or what's his big bill this session? Um, or when they come home, invite them to come speak at the chamber, invite them to do a lunch meeting with your Farm Bureau group, like what's going on. And um, if you are part of an organization like Farm Bureau, like cattle raisers, like anybody, they all have legislative email lists. They all have legislative stuff. Tap into an association. And if you're a teacher, you know, you got the PTA association, you have the teachers association, you have all of these things, and that may be a more palatable way to do it without being overwhelmed, is what interest do you have? And there is always an association or a group to plug you into what's going on with that issue. You bring up a great so, point. Yeah, I would do that. 
And so much happens so fast. And I don't think people realize that. And so what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? I mean, politics is grueling and it's stressful. And especially for these 140 days, you're going to have long, hard days. So what motivates you? I get to walk into our beautiful Capitol building almost every day during the week. That's a blessing. We have the most beautiful capital. And it's a gift that I get to be a part of that. And it's a gift that I don't take lightly. I'm from Brackettville, Texas. I'm a six foot blonde wearing heels and a suit over there that doesn't look like it came off a cotton farm all the time, right? But I get to represent you. I get to represent your family. I get to I get to do that and our voice is getting smaller. What what I do love, what people don't understand too about the legislatures, honestly, we're about a, a lot of small town kids that come to Austin for 140 days to try to do things. But the members that we're electing, all of them know somebody from a rural area for the most part. You know, you do get people out of the larger cities that haven't really done that, but they're going hunting somewhere. They're, they're going to a football game somewhere, you know, um, and I, I, it's what motivates me is that I'm, I'm thankful that I've been chosen for whatever reason to represent people like me there. And if people like me didn't go up there to talk the way we talk and to fight for the things we fight, I would hope that someone, someone will eventually take my place in that role. Um, but for now I get to do it and I get to carry a torch um, for Brackettville, you know, for, for everything I grew up with. And I get to play a role in trying to protect that and trying to make it better um, no matter what role I'm in. Um, even with banking, there are a lot of rural bankers. If we didn't have our independent banks, um, you know, when I interviewed, they were like, what do you think about banking? And when I was in bracket, Mr. Ralston owned the bank. And I was like, I'm going to get to work with all the Mr. Ralstons in the world. You know, and that's how I, I put it on that level. These these are in our rural communities and they're making loans in our rural communities. And we need to protect those people and the independent spirit of those banks. Um, so I can't tell you exactly what motivates me, except I get to do this and it's pretty damn cool. Um, and I, if anybody wants to come up and spend a day, you know, I always tell um, kids, there's a cool program where if your child wants to come spend a day at the Capitol, they can be a page for the day and it's free. And they get to follow people around the Capitol and see the inner workings and go on the house floor and the Senate floor. And um, they get to get involved because we need people to be excited and not hate politics. It's hard to do that given the state of things today. And, and I hate that. But in Texas, we're not DC yet. And God forbid we ever are. It will break my heart if we have a whip and we have, you know, all our chairs and all our and all D chairs. Um that that will seriously break my heart. And I and I really truly believe it will weaken Texas as a as a whole if we do that. So yeah, it's fun. I I get to be here. Well, I know people like myself and my family are thankful people like you are 
have been called to do this and are willing to because it it does take all of us. And I know working for cattle raisers and with our lobbyists that, you know, it's we have more voice than people think and how important it is to vote and know your representatives and to be active. But to wrap up this episode, I ask every guest the same question, and it's if you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? Oh, on any given day, and you gave me that question in advance, on any given day, it's different. If we're talking about politics, two things. I have a, a, I have a board downstairs in my kitchen that you change in, and I put the count as zero um, on that every day. And I don't know if you know Jocko Willett, the, the Navy SEAL guy, he does leadership, but he does this thing where he says, you know, I don't care if you did 400 push-ups yesterday, today the count is zero today's the count here. So what are you going to do today? You know, you put your lipstick on and you show up. That's what you do. Um, and when you get out of bed, if you don't put your lipstick on and you don't show up, then there's going to be a hole where you should have been that day. And what are you going to do to make it better? Um, and at the end of 140 days for me, I have to look back at the body of work that I worked on and say, did I... Did I leave Texas better than I found her today? And Sundays during session, you don't. But if collectively out of the 140 days, I can look back and say, I left Texas stronger than when I found her, then I did a good job. But every day that counts zero. And every day you have to earn that. And that's just the way you get by. Nothing's going to kill us. I mean, not nothing. Things kill us. But um, in the course of my work day, I can have a really crappy day, but it's just a day. None of it's going to kill me. It's policy. And if I lose the session, we'll try again next session. So, um, yeah, the count is zero and show up with good lipstick. I love that. I love good lipstick too. My mom can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I think people are really going to enjoy learning more about you and what happens in Texas during session. And it's cool. Well, thank okay. you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.